But why is supported by Progressive? Progressive helps you compare direct auto rates from a variety of companies, so you can find a great one, even if it's not with them. Quote today at Progressive.com to find a rate that works with your budget. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids from Vermont Public. I'm Jane Lindholm. On this show, we take questions from curious kids all over the world, and it's our job to find answers. Last time, we celebrated our 200th episode by asking you all to send us some of the sayings your adults have handed down to you that make you curious. Like, do adults really have eyes in the back of their heads? If you swallow gum, will it stay in your stomach for seven years? And will looking at a screen for too long damage your eyes or rot your brain? Well, you sent us so many sayings that we had to split them into two episodes. So today we're going to start with the things that adults tell you will happen to your teeth, your eyes, and your face, and move on from there. Melody Baudet is here to help again. Hi, Melody. Hey, Jane. And we've brought back Dr. Nusheen Aminadine as well. She's a pediatrician and professor at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And we're so glad she agreed to join us and give us her professional take on the sayings that have been passed down through generations, like this one. My name is Felix, and I'm five years old, and I live in Washington, D.C. Dada said when I wiggle my tooth... The grown-up is going to fall out, and the grown-up tooth will come in crooked. Is that true? Here's Dr. Aminadine. I'm not a dentist. I want to make that really clear. But what happens is your tooth buds, um, which are your adult teeth that haven't yet come in, are, are, are in your gums. And so chances are by the time you have a baby tooth that is loose enough to be able to be wiggled, your adult tooth is probably already completely formed and on its way to, to, to coming down. So I, I would say... Again, from a non-dental perspective, I think it would be unlikely that that would make your teeth come in crooked. Usually only some sort of real trauma, which is like if you get hit really bad in your gums and it disrupts those buds, um, is going to cause problem or if there's crowding. I am Ishan. I'm six years old. I am from Singapore. My question is, is it true when parents tell us that we should not lick the gum? After our tooth has fallen off, else the adult tooth will grow crooked. Same deal for this one, Ishan. You're not going to make your adult tooth grow in crooked just by licking that empty space where your baby tooth used to be. But it is so tempting to put your tongue in there, isn't it? My name is Sabi and I'm five years old. I'm from Bougara, Australia. And I want to know why my parents tell me that I have to brush my teeth Twice a day. My name is Theo and I'm from Canada. And why won't you go rot my teeth? 
that unfortunately is true. We do know that uh, <laughs> that uh, sugar uh, in, in the mouth um, can become kind of acidic. And that is something that can wear down the enamel, which is the hard, tough uh, outer covering of your teeth. So that's why it's really important to make sure you're, blush you're brushing your teeth at least twice a day. I know some dentists actually recommend brushing after every meal if that's possible. Hi, my name is Claire. I'm 36 years old. I'm from Long Beach, California. And sometimes I tell my kids to keep their eyes peeled when they're looking for things. I don't really know why I say that. Maybe you could tell me. My name is Charlie. I'm six years old. My question, I'm from Long Beach, California. And my question is, why do grown-ups say to keep our eyes peeled when we're looking for something? Yes, Charlie is Claire's daughter. Okay, keep your eyes peeled is an idiom. That's an expression that people use that's not literal, and we're all supposed to understand its meaning. Keeping your eyes peeled means to look carefully for or watch for something, and this idiom has been around for at least 200 years, when someone thought it was funny to compare keeping your eyelid open to a piece of fruit or a vegetable that would have its skin peeled away before being eaten. Hello, my name is Alia. I am six years old, almost seven. I live in Chicago, Illinois. My parents always say that if your hair is is pull, is always in front of your eyes, it's going to make your eyes head bad. Is it true? Thank you. Oh, I, I can promise you that's not true. Um, some of us have grown up in periods of time where we had bangs that hung in front of our eyes. And yes, I wear glasses, but um, but that's not something that's going to affect your vision long term. Here's another one that I was always told, too. My name is Abigail, and I am 70 years old, and I live in Georgia. My name is Allison, and I live in Georgia with Abigail. And my dad always says eating carrots lets you see in the dark. And we want to know if that is true. Hi, my name is Carson. I live in Dallas, Texas, and I'm five years old. And my question is, do carrots help your eyes see? My name is Levon. I'm eight years old, and I live in Chicago, Illinois. Do eating carrots really help you see in the dark or help your eyesight in general? My name is Jamie, and I'm age six from Ireland, and I want to know if carrots make you good to see. Can you see in the dark? Hi, my name is John. I'm eight years old. I live in Shawnee, Kansas, and my question is, do carrots really help you see better? Hi, my name is Evie, and I'm seven years old. I live in Australia, and my question is, if you eat lots of carrots, can you, your eyes actually see in the dark? Carrots are high in a pigment called beta-carotene. When we eat carrots, our bodies convert the beta-carotene into vitamin A. And vitamin A is important for healthy eyes and good vision. If you don't get any vitamin A in your diet, one of the things that can happen is you'll struggle to see at night. 
Now, in places where people have a hard time getting a good variety of foods, this is a real problem. But many of the foods we eat in the U.S. and other wealthy countries have enough vitamin A or have vitamin A added for us to get what we need. So when people say, eat your carrots so you see better in the dark, it's not exactly false, but it's also not exactly true. Eating carrots isn't going to give you night vision, but your body does need to get that vitamin A from somewhere. So why not a few carrots or sweet potatoes? And Melody, here's something that sounds fake, but actually is true that's related to this. If you ate several carrots a day, and I'm talking like six big carrots, not a couple of those little baby carrots, every day, your skin would start to turn a little orange. Did you know that? I did not know that. It's not dangerous if your skin turns a little bit orange from the carrots, though you might not want to eat that many carrots a day every day for other reasons. Hey, Jane, what's the difference between a unicorn and a carrot? A unicorn and a carrot? I don't know. One is a funny beast and the other is a bunny feast. <laughs> Good one, Melody. Ba-dum-bum. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Hi, my name is Jessica and I am almost 32 years old and I'm a mom in South Carolina. I have three kids. Their names are Leo, Winnie, and Milo and they are seven five and just turned four. When I was little, my parents used to tell me not to make funny faces or cross my eyes. And my mom used to say that if I crossed my eyes long enough, they would stay that way. And I wonder how true that is. Thanks. Love your show. Hi, my name is Nora and I'm eight years old. I live in Long Valley, New Jersey. And I want to know if it's true if you roll your eyes too much that they will get stuck. My name is Zoe. I'm nine years old. I live in Sonoma County, California. And my parents used to say that if you cross your eyes for too long, they'll get stuck like that. And I want to know, is that true? My name is Lily, and I'm four years old. We live in Vermont, and my friend crosses her eyes, and it never stays like that. And, and I'm Lily's mom, and when I was little, my grandpa used to tell me not to cross my eyes, or they might stay that way. Is there any truth in that? Let's go back to Dr. Aminuddin. Crossing your eyes is not something that's probably going to hurt you long term. It'll make your vision go kind of funny and you can probably see double for a while. It would be hard to keep your eyes crossed for a long time, um, but chances are that's not going to cause any permanent harm. There are some people whose eyes, um, the muscles around the eyes don't work normally and so they kind of have like an almost constant cross eye and that can affect your vision in other ways. Like if you have one eye that uh, does that your brain is not going to be able to make sense of everything. And so what can happen is if if that's happening to you, um, your brain might shut down signals from one eye because otherwise what will happen is you'll always go around with double vision. So it's not that you crossing your eyes is going to cause a problem, but people who have muscle problems, eye muscle problems, can have a longer term issue that's that's not going to be the same thing as just crossing your eyes when your friends dare you to do that. Hi, I am Ella, and I am from San Antonio, Texas. I am eight years old, and some of the things my parents say is if you make a funny face, it will stay like that forever. Hi, my name's Julius. I am 10 years old. I live in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and my parental myth is why 
do some parents say that if you make funny faces, your face can get stuck like that? Thank you. I love your show. Hi, I'm Graham. I live in Pennsylvania. I am nine years old. My parents say if you keep making that face, it's going to get stuck that way. Just like with crossing your eyes, making a funny face, even if you do it over and over, isn't going to make your face freeze that way. Hey, adults, I'm really sorry to break this secret code to all the kids, but kids, this is something adults mostly say because they don't want you to be pulling silly or odd faces when they'd rather have you make a nice, calm smile. My name is Evan. I live in Tennessee. I'm seven. And my grandma says if I don't eat my greens, I will get scurvy. (laughs) Okay. Well, scurvy is a deficiency of vitamin C. And vitamin C is a really important vitamin um, that helps your body function the way uh, it does normally. It's good for skin. It's good for lots of other reasons. It is important to have a good source of vitamin C in your diet. Like vitamin C can be found in oranges. It can be found in lemons and limes and other types of citrus fruits. Greens are not the biggest source of vitamin C, but they're important for other reasons, for other types of vitamins. And they're also really important because they are a source of fiber. And fiber is one of those things that is important for your digestive system to work normally. You know, some things are not completely digested, but as they sort of move through your tummy and your intestines, um, it helps move other things along and kind of keeps everything nice and, and, and working properly. And it keeps you from getting constipated, which means when you have really hard or painful poop. So eating your greens, eating lots of fruits and vegetables and drinking lots of water are all really important to making sure everything is working just as well as it should. My name's Ryan from Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm eight, and my granddaddy always says a glass of orange juice a day keeps the colds away. That's actually a legitimate question. Um, People have done studies on vitamin C, and there's maybe some evidence. It's not particularly strong, which means that, you know, maybe some studies have shown that there's a benefit to having vitamin C, and other studies have shown that there really isn't much difference in having vitamin C in preventing colds. Um, So it's hard to say for sure, yes, absolutely do this because it'll help you. As pediatricians, we worry a little bit more because there's so much sugar in orange juice. Even if they're not putting sugar into it, there's just a a lot of sugar naturally. And having too much juice of any kind, um, even the no sugar added juice can be not as healthy long term, you know, once in a while, like with anything, it's fine to have a treat. But I probably would not recommend juice every single day, just every now and then. Hello, my name is Karen. I am seven years old. And I live in Deanna, Virginia. My grandma always says that an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Is that true? People started saying this more than 150 years ago. The first written proof of it comes from Wales in the 1860s. But it was phrased like this back then. Eat an apple on going to bed and you'll keep the doctor from earning his bread. Bread is a slang word for money, so it meant the doctor wouldn't earn money because you'd be so healthy from eating all those apples, the doctor wouldn't have much work. People also used to say, an apple a day, no doctor to pay, and an apple a day sends the doctor away. More recently, some doctors did a study to see if it's actually true that an apple a day keeps the doctor away, and they found that of the people they studied, 
the ones who ate an apple pretty much daily actually did have fewer doctor's visits. But that's probably not just because of the apples. Those people were healthier in other ways, too. So it's more likely that people who are eating apples also eat a variety of other good foods and are able to afford healthier food, and their apple habit is just part of a much bigger health picture. So it's not just an apple a day, but eating a variety of foods with lots of vitamins and minerals is a good way to stay on the right track for avoiding the doctor. We've got a few more questions about food, so let's see if we can tick through them really fast. Hi, my name is Caleb and I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and my parents say that fruit really doesn't have any protein. Is that true? Thank you. Most fruit doesn't have a lot of protein. Of course, there are a lot of different kinds of fruit, and some have more than others. Try guava if you're trying to get a little protein in with your fiber and sugar. But Caleb, your parents are basically right. Fruit is typically not a great source of protein, but it is a good source of fiber and vitamins. Hi, but why? My name's Wes. I am from Redmond, Oregon, and I'm eight years old. And my grandma says that I'm not sure it's true is drinking milk will make you stronger. You know what is a good source of protein? Milk. And milk also has a lot of calcium, which is essential for having strong bones. But that doesn't mean you have to drink milk to get strong bones. There are other sources of calcium, and as you get older, certain exercises will help you maintain strong bones even more than a glass of milk. Hi, my name is Erin I'm from Iran. I'm almost five years old. Did you know that all in my tummy comes before milk? Amir's parent explained that Amir is talking about whether vitamins need to be taken with milk to absorb better. We looked into it and found a mixed answer on this one. It actually depends on the type of vitamin you're taking, whether or not it's better to take them with milk or food. Some vitamins are fat-soluble. That means they break down better when you take them at the same time that you're eating something with fat in it. And lots of milk has a little bit of fat in it, so the milk or food helps your body absorb the vitamins. Fat-soluble vitamins include D and A. Other vitamins, like vitamin C, are best broken down by plain old water. Multivitamins probably contain both fat-soluble and water-soluble vitamins. They come in one pill or gummy so that you don't have to remember to take like six vitamin pills a day. So taking them with water means the fat-soluble ones might not break down. But if you take them with milk or other fat, the water-soluble ones don't break down. So what should you do? Basically, don't overthink it. If you're taking a multivitamin, doctors say you should take it when you have a full stomach and drink some water. Because the fat from what you've already eaten is probably enough to break down the fat-soluble vitamins, and you're less likely to get an upset stomach from the multivitamin if your stomach isn't empty. Hi, I'm Miles. I'm from Redwood City, California. I'm five and three quarters. I have the question, why does broccoli make you faster? Hmm. I didn't find a lot of research into running faster by eating broccoli, Miles. But broccoli is a really great food. It's loaded with vitamins and minerals that can help your body do what it needs to do, including go as fast as you can. But here's a broccoli side effect not everyone loves. It can make you a little bit gassy. Ew, broccoli farts. Hi, my name is Toby. I'm seven years old, and I live in Calgary, Alberta. My grandma says, after eating food, you have to wait a bit before you can eat a fruit. My name is Caleb. I'm four years old. I live in Pennsylvania. 
My mommy says after dinner, I need to have my belly rest before I have a treat. Is that true? I don't think you have to wait between eating one type of food before you eat another type of food. Um, it's totally normal and natural to eat a bunch of different kinds of foods. And in fact, I recommend eating a good variety of foods at each meal. So that means you're probably going to be eating your, your meats, your grains, uh, your fruits and your vegetables uh, all in the same meal. They all kind of get mushed up in your stomach, so I don't think they even care. So you don't have to wait between between one type of food to, to eat another type of food. I'm Musa. I, I'm six years old, and I live in Michigan. Uh, and I hear a lot of adults say, coffee makes you sh- shorter. Is this true? Hi, I'm Claire. I live in Canada, and I want to know if coffee actually slows your growth. My name is Maximus. I'm six years old. I live in England. My question is, why do if kids drink coffee, they stop growing? And I am Maximus's mommy, and I have the same question, because when I was little, grown-ups told me that if I drink coffee, I would stop growing. And so Maximus and I would really like to know if this is true. The reason that people worry about coffee is because it contains caffeine. And there are some concerns that caffeine can, over time, stunt growth. Um, In general, though... Drinking a cup of coffee or having something with caffeine once in a a while is probably not going to stop you from growing. But having lots of caffeine on a regular basis might might have a, a slight effect later on. There are some types of medicines that kids are on that are, are similar to caffeine, where we do actually have to watch their growth really carefully to make sure that they're, they're getting as tall as they, they have the opportunity to be and that they're still gaining weight appropriately. Hello, but why? I'm Roxanne from Lyon, France. I'm seven years old and I would like to know why adults say that if we don't eat soup, we'll be sick. Well, Roxanne, you won't get sick from not eating soup, but there is some research that once you are sick, eating soup can help make you feel better. Not only is it warm and comforting, but some of the ingredients in, say, chicken soup can help ease a sore throat and may help bring down inflammation in your body. Hi, I'm Everett. I'm seven years old old and live in Dallas, Texas. My mom and grandma says that eating fish makes you smart. Are they correct? Hi, my name is Emma. I'm five years old and I live in Maryland. And my dad says eating salmon makes you smarter. Is he correct or false? (laughs) Well, that's funny, Emma, because when I was growing up, my parents always told me that eating fish was brain food. Um, And I will say this, uh, I don't think there's anything that special or that specific about salmon um, that's going to suddenly make you smart. But it is really important to have a good, healthy diet. And that includes different types of of fish if you do eat meat, um, along with fruits and vegetables and grains and dairy or non-dairy products. So it's all part of uh, a larger, healthy diet that does play an important role in helping you feel full, helping you feel satisfied, and helping you learn in school. Hi, my name is Winter, I am 10 years old and I live in New South Wales, Australia. My question is, why does my mum say 
If I eat too many tomatoes, I'll turn into a tomato. Thanks, I love your show. Hi, but why? My name is Zach. I'm five years old. I'm from Broken Air, Oklahoma. And I want to tell you this question so you can investigate it. My mom said, if you eat too much of something, you'll turn into a thing you eat. My name is Colson. I live in Dallas, Texas, and and I'm five years old. And my grandfather says, if you eat macaroni and cheese, lots of it, you'll turn into macaroni and cheese. Is that really true? So in, in, in some sense, you are what you eat because it'll contribute to, uh, to your overall health status. But eating a salmon is not going to turn you into a salmon. Eating a carrot is not going to turn you into a carrot. Um, we do know that technically, technically, if you eat enough carrots, and I'm talking hundreds of carrots, hundreds in, in a short period of time, it could turn your skin a little bit orange. But you'd have to really be eating a lot. <laughs> Hi, my name is Elton, and I'm from Vancouver, Canada. And my question is, would you get blue if you eat too many blueberries? Nope, you won't turn blue from eating blueberries. Though they can stain your hands if you crush them while you're shoveling them into your mouth. And they can even change the color of your poop. But you're not going to turn into a blueberry, like it or not. That's too bad. (laughs) Hello, my name is Amelia. I'm eight years old and I live in Franklin, Tennessee. And my question is, is it true... When my grandparents say, if you don't eat, you'll be all skin and bones. Meaning, um, if I don't eat, will I lose my blood? No, you won't lose your blood, but you do need to eat to live. Of course, not finishing your peas at one meal won't mean you'll starve to death. I think when your grandparents say this, though, they're just trying in their own way to be sure you are eating enough food to be healthy. Hello, my name is Eleanor. I'm nine years old, turning 10 soon. I live in Hobart, Tasmania, Australia. And my thing that my parents say is breadcrumbs make your hair go curly, so eat them. Hello, my name is Alona and I live in Melbourne, Australia and I'm eight. And the thing that my parents say to me is if you eat your crust, your hair will go curly. I've heard this one too. I have very straight hair and I've eaten a lot of breadcrumbs in my time and no curly hair. So this one is definitely not true. But I guess if your adults want you to eat your bread crust, they might fib a little bit to encourage you to eat them. There's plenty more still to come. You've sent us a lot of superstitions, parental myths, and some outright falsehoods. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids. I'm Jane Lindholm. And I'm Melody Baudet, and today we're learning from all of you what sayings, myths, and superstitions your adults have passed down to you that may or may not be true. Hello, my name is Raphael, and I'm six years old, and I live in Sao Paulo. And I want to know of the food falls in the ground. You have five seconds to pick it off before it gets contaminated. <laughs> So I think we've all heard of the five-second rule. Some people call it the two-second rule. 
I tend to think it depends on how clean your floor is. If you have a pretty clean floor and if it doesn't fall into like a, a massive gunk of something, you could probably brush it off and, and eat it. Uh, but if it's the kind of food that, you know, falls down and it, it sticks on everything and you have to clean it up and scrape it up and eat it, you're probably scraping up a lot of stuff that you would not otherwise want to eat. So it's probably not going to hurt you if you drop a cookie on the floor and pick it up on, on a relatively clean floor, if you drop a cookie and then pick it up and eat it after brushing it off, it's probably not going to cause any major problems. But if it's a dirty floor or if it's something that, you know, is not uh, is not very easy to, to clean off the floor, I wouldn't recommend eating it after five seconds. Speaking of how clean your floors are. My name is Miriam and I live in Madison, Mississippi. And I'm four years old. And my question is, why do you have a tidy room can prevent bugs in some cases, especially if you've ever taken food in there. Certain bugs, like ants, have powerful senses of smell and will travel long distances to get their mandibles, that's their jaws, on something they want to eat. So if you happen to drop a crumb or a wrapper with a little bit of food left on it, those bugs will seek it out, and yes, you could get bugs in your room. So it's always a good idea to keep your room at least passably clean. And there are other reasons you might want to tidy up, too. I mean, it feels nice to have a room that looks inviting. It can make it easier to find your stuff. And, of course, it will keep your adults from nagging you, and that's worth a lot. Here's another one that tackles cleanliness. Hi, I'm Elias. I'm eight years old, and I live in Miami, Florida. And my question is, is it true that walking on a barefoot on a dirty floor will make you sick? My name is Lauren. I am seven years old, and I live in Hawthorne, California. And my question is... Do you get sicker if you don't have something on your feet? So that's a really good question. We have found that uh, kids are exposed to germs uh, from from dirt, from other kids, from all over the place. And some exposure to, to dirt and germs is not a bad thing, but it's not something you necessarily have to go seeking after. You could do almost nothing and you could still be exposed to plenty of germs. I think the bottom line here about walking barefoot is that it totally depends on where you're walking and whether you plan to clean your feet off pretty quickly afterwards. If you're walking on a really dirty floor barefoot or where a lot of other people have been walking barefoot, you could pick up a fungus that might cause an itchy problem called athlete's foot or another type of germ that you don't want. On the other hand, if you're walking around your house, you might enjoy going barefoot. Just like losing warmth from your head, you might want to cover up your feet for comfort if you're feeling cold, but you're not going to catch a cold from going barefoot, even if your feet are chilly. You have to be exposed to a virus to do that. Hi, my name is Lily, and I'm three years old. I live in Dallas, Texas. And, and why does Baba is say oh, it's always without headache? Is that true? Lily, your Baba is right. It's not just a good idea to stay hydrated, it's essential. More than half of your body is actually made up of water, and you need enough water in it to do all kinds of things. To keep your joints moving well, to keep your body temperature where it's supposed to be, even to stay happy and healthy and do your best work at school, in sports, on the playground, and even at home. You lose water by sweating, even if you're not running around, and by when you go to the bathroom, and even through breathing. So it really is important to make sure you're replenishing the water in your body. 
Of course, one really great way to put that water back in is just to have a glass of water. But you also get some liquid in the food you eat, especially things like fruits and vegetables or soups and sauces. So don't forget to grab some water every time you think of it, or when your Baba reminds you. Hi, my name is Ian. I'm eight years old. I live in Roseland, New Jersey. My question is, my mom always says that when I read in a car, I get motion sick. Is that true? Hi, Ian. Does your mom have some experience getting sick when she reads in the car? I know I do, and I have since I was a kid. Getting motion sickness is no fun, so I'm guessing your mom is looking out for you. But the other thing is, some people are able to read in the car or on a plane, or enjoy a swaying boat ride with no problem. Scientists don't really understand why some people feel hunky-dory while others are ready to puke, and they don't even fully understand the cause of motion sickness to begin with. Though the most popular theory is that some people feel sick when there's a mismatch between what your different senses are telling you. So if you're sitting still in a car and reading the words on the page, but the car is going fast and you're twisting and turning on a windy road, the thinking is that that kind of confuses your vestibular system in the inner ear. Kids are more likely to feel motion sickness than adults. But here's the thing, as Melody mentioned, not everyone gets car sick. So maybe if you want to try reading in the car, Ian, you could talk to your mom and try it out sometime. And then if you do start to feel sick, put the book down. Sometimes closing your eyes can help you feel a little bit better. And sometimes just looking out the front window can also be helpful. But maybe you'll be one of the lucky ones who can read no problem. My name is Ellie, and I'm almost seven years old. I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. When I have the hiccups, my parents tell me to drink water. My question is, does water actually help get rid of the hiccups? So this one is tricky. It's possible, maybe, that sometimes drinking a glass of water will help you get rid of the hiccups. But also, maybe not. Why we get hiccups and how to stop them are a little bit of a mystery, and there are lots of wild home remedies for getting them to stop. Some of these remedies, like taking a big gulp of air and holding your breath for as long as you can, or swallowing a spoonful of sugar, or even having someone scare the hiccups out of you, and the one you mentioned, drinking a glass of cold water, do seem to have some science behind them. Though they work in different ways, All of those suggestions are ways to trick your body into getting distracted or trick your nerves into focusing on something else instead of the hiccups. And that can interrupt the hiccups and stop them. But then again, sometimes they don't work at all. So Ellie, there's nothing wrong with drinking a glass of water when you've got the hiccups. And there's a possibility it might work. So go for it. Hi, my name is Rotem from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And when I was a child... Parents, teachers, even television shows constantly drilled into me to stop, drop, and roll. And yet, miraculously, I've never heard anything about this as I've been raising my son. What happened? Are people suddenly not catching on fire anymore? Well, kind of. Thanks for the question, Rotem. We did some research to look into this and got some good information from the state fire marshal in Minnesota. Their website says people who teach fire prevention have moved away from that saying, especially for very young kids, because it was often the only thing kids remembered about fire safety. So a kid might burn their finger and think they had to stop, drop, and roll. Or if they were in a building when a fire started, they might just remember that saying and not know that the best thing to do would be to get out 
out of the building. So stop, drop, and roll is still an important message to know, but only if your clothing catches on fire. So kids, if your clothing catches on fire, you should stop what you're doing, lie down on the floor, cover your eyes and your mouth with your hands, and roll back and forth on the ground to help put out the fire. And you should definitely be alerting a grown-up or other people by yelling or making sure someone nearby is getting help. And the other thing that's happened is that there are now better rules around making clothes less flammable. Flammable means able to catch on fire. So clothing today is less flammable than in the early 1950s when the stop, drop, and roll messaging first became popular. I don't want to scare any of you. It's really unlikely that your clothes are ever going to catch fire. But this is just a safety mechanism you can know if they ever did. And the best way to prevent that from happening is not to get too close to any source of fire. It's also a good idea for kids to learn some basic fire safety and prevention. Fire departments often have open houses or information on their websites where you can learn more, and sometimes firefighters even visit schools. Hi, my name is Elon. I'm four years old. I live in New Jersey. My question is, when you, when, when you play too much, do you get bored? Sometimes. You can probably get bored of anything if you do it too much. I know people who loved ice cream so much they decided to work in an ice cream shop when they were in high school, and then they ate so much ice cream they started to hate it. Or sometimes you love a song so much and you listen to it over and over and over until you discover that you don't love it as much as you used to and you can't listen to it anymore. So I guess playing can be like that too. If you do it all the time, it could start to lose its shine. Hi, my name is Nicola. I'm from the Philippines. I'm six years old. My question is, why do grown-ups say you can't play hide-and-seek in the dark because monsters will hide with you? This is not true, Nicola. Monsters will not hide with you in the dark, whether you're playing hide-and-seek or not. But some sayings like this get handed down as kind of a warning. It could be dangerous if you're not in a safe place to play hide-and-seek in the dark, and adults want to make sure they always know where kids are to keep them safe. So a saying like this might be meant to scare kids away from doing something that adults would worry about. Hello, I'm Nate and I'm 11 years old and I'm from Queensland, Australia. And my question is, why does my dad say, don't leave the closet open when you sleep or the boogeyman will come out? The idea of a boogeyman is another concept made up a long time ago by adults to scare kids into good behavior. This mythical, scary creature takes on various names in different languages and cultures. And sometimes our own imaginations get the better of us, even without an adult who tells us scary stories. Yeah, and for some of us, the darkness itself can feel like a little bit of a scary place. There's good reason for that. Humans don't have great night vision, whether we eat a lot of carrots or not. And way back in our evolution, nighttime might have been a time when we were more vulnerable to predators. But darkness can also be amazing. You can actually use all of your senses to your advantage to help you navigate the darkness and make it less of a scary place. We have an episode about being afraid of the dark if you're interested in learning more. My name is Patrick, and I live in Innisfil, Ontario, and I'm six years old. Why do some adults say that you're not that you're not adult till you're forty? I don't think that's true. What's the real answer? This kind of depends, Patrick. 
Legally, in Canada and in the U.S., you're considered an adult when you hit the age of 18. A lot of other countries consider the legal age of adulthood to be 18, too. But a few set the age a little younger, and a few set it a little older. Beyond the legal definition, there are cultural ideas around when you become an adult based on religion, tradition, physical development, and other markers of age. Sometimes there are rituals that help to signify a change from childhood to adulthood. Sometimes you're not considered an adult until you move out of your parents' home, which can vary depending on your family structure and where you live. And then there's brain development. The most recent studies suggest that our brains aren't fully developed until we're in our 30s, which is a lot older than we used to think. So if your brain is still developing, maybe you're not fully an adult until you are close to 40. Bottom line, Patrick, there's no one answer to when you become an adult. But it might be interesting to ask your adults when they started feeling like one. Hi, my name is Hazel. I live in Seattle, Washington. I'm six years old, and I want to know why my dad is so sarcastic. First, a definition. The easiest way to understand sarcasm is that it's kind of when you say something that's basically the opposite of what you actually mean. Often it's more easy to understand sarcasm when you hear it rather than reading it. So if I'm having a rough day and I sit down to eat my lunch and I drop it on the floor, I might say, oh great, that's exactly what I needed today. Obviously, dropping my sandwich on the floor is not great and not what I needed today. I'm being sarcastic. Sometimes people use sarcasm as a way to try to be funny. It does seem like a lot of adults use sarcasm and for a lot of different reasons. They might be trying to be funny. They might think it's a gentler way to insult or criticize someone. But studies have found that sarcasm can actually be more hurtful than just saying what you mean. And it's a risk. The person you're being sarcastic to might think you're being serious and you've now delivered the entirely wrong message. And sometimes sarcasm can be really rude. And just so you know, Hazel, if you don't like it when someone is sarcastic, it's okay to tell them. By the way, it seems like adults aren't the only ones who are sarcastic. Hi, my name is Henry from Atlanta, Georgia. My parents tell me that there's no such thing as too much sugar. I guess I'll just eat a whole carton of ice cream tonight. Thanks! Jane, I'm pretty sure Henry's being sarcastic here. What do you think? Sure sounds like it to me. My name is Ezra. I'm four years old. I live in New York City, and my question is, why do people say next time when they really mean never, ever? Jane, do you ever do this to your kids? Never, ever. Uh, is that sarcastic? Yes, let me rephrase. Yes, Melody, I have been known to say something like that to my kids. I'm pretty sure I've done this too as an adult. Sometimes adults say this when they're afraid you might get upset if they say no and they don't want you to get upset. Maybe you're in a store and they'll say they'll let you push the cart next time because they really just want to do it themselves as fast as they can and get out of there. (laughs) And sometimes adults just don't know if it's a true next time or maybe a never ever kind of scenario. And they don't really have the time at that moment to figure it out. What I would recommend, Ezra, is for you to pick a time when things are quieter, so not when you're right in the middle of negotiating whatever it is you were hoping would happen, but sometime when everybody's relaxed and has a little bit of time to think. And then you could tell your adults how it makes you feel when they say next time, but next time never happens. 
Think about what would feel more honest to you and what you'd actually prefer to hear and let them know. That might sound hard, and it's true that you won't always get the response you're hoping for, but it's helpful for the adults in your life to know how you feel and what kind of communication feels good. And it's helpful for you to know that you have the right to have that kind of conversation with people who have some control over what you get to do or not do. I think that's a good place for us to end today's episode with a little bit of homework, I guess. The kind of homework we all have for our whole lives, direct and honest communication. Well, my direct and honest communication is that it's been really fun doing these episodes with you, Melody, and with all of you who sent us these sayings. Yeah, thank you. But Why is produced by me. I'm Melody Beaudet. And me, Jane Lindholm. And this episode, we're excited to welcome two new team members. Kaylee Mumford is joining our team as a producer-director of the visual side of our show. You can see some of her work on our YouTube channel. And Kiana Haskin is our new engagement producer. She's going to work on our social media channels, responding to emails, and helping us reach new kids and adults all over the world. As always, if you have something you want us to do an episode about, or if you just want to share some direct and honest communication with us, write to questions at butwhykids.org. Special thanks to Dr. Nusheen Aminadine. Dr. Aminadine works and teaches at the Department of Pediatrics at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and is also the chair of the American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Communications and Media. But Why is produced at Vermont Public and distributed by PRX. Luke Reynolds composed our theme music. We'll be back in two weeks with an all-new episode. Until then, stay Stay curious.